Okay, we're going to ask the children to make their way to uh, Junior Church, and I'll take your stand there, Dan. Danny, yeah, yeah. All right. How many of you, uh, I want to piggyback before I look, start the message on what Danny had to say just a few minutes ago, grace of God. How many of you experienced the touch of God's grace this week, some way? Yeah, we did, hadn't we? I, I, I don't know about you, but I get frustrated with this arrangement. Uh, I'd much rather be standing up there. I can get a better view of who's asleep and who's awake. <laughs> Some of you are kind of hidden when I'm, when I'm down at this level. But, you know, I, I, I've been struggling with that. And I'm sitting in the, the doctor's office on Friday. And uh, Dr. Larson went over what he thought was the next step for us and so forth. And at, at the very end, he said, uh, are you still preaching? And I said, well, yes, but I have to sit down to preach. And it was just a touch of God's grace. He said, you know, God's not, he doesn't need your knee. He needs your mouth. <laughs> what a, what a, what, 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 just what a touch of God's grace at a time when it, when it was needed. And I, and I wonder how, how many times he does that for us. Uh, and that goes along with enjoying our wealth here in Ephesians chapter 1. So let's read the opening verses here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Hattie Green was described as America's greatest miser. She died back in 1916. She left over $100 million in wealth behind. And yet, she lived like a pauper. They wore hand-me-downs. They ate cold oatmeal for cereal because you don't want to cook it the second time because that costs more money to heat it. Uh, her son, on one occasion, lost his leg while she tried to find a free clinic to, to treat the child and went for months looking for a free clinic and finally had to take the, the, the leg off there. She had a tremendous amount of wealth, but she wasn't able to enjoy it. And as I thought of that, I wonder how many times do we live as spiritual paupers? You, did you re realize what Paul said in verse 3? We are blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing. And yet, how many times do we allow fear or doubt or worry or a hundred and one other things to creep into our lives and we forget that we are wealthy in Christ? In uh, chapter 3 of Ephesians, we're going to see when we get to verse 20 that... Uh, we have a God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above anything that we could ask or think. Let that stretch your imagination for just a minute. Now, how many of you can ask some big things of God? And God says, you know what? I can do better than that. There's more that I have for you than that. In, in, uh, chapter, or in this chapter, uh, I stop there and I realize in most of your 
translations, one and two is a paragraph, and then three starts a new paragraph. I chose to start the new paragraph with, with verse three here, because verse four starts a new sentence. Verse four through 14 gives us nine spiritual blessings that are ours today. We, we sometimes sing that song, count your many blessings. Well, if you want a good place to start, read verses 4 through 14. Now, we're not going to go into those nine today. Uh, that's going to take us three weeks starting next week. We'll uh, look at uh, three at a time there. But today we want to look at the introduction to the book because I think he sets the scene here. All of these blessings that he begins to list in chapter 4 are ours. But how do we appropriate them? How do we make them real in our life? And that's what we need to focus on as we look at the opening verses of, of the epistle here. Uh, he, we begin with the author, and the author encourages us to fulfill God's will. What is God's will for our life? Paul describes himself here as an apostle of Jesus Christ by what? By the will of God. He was mindful of the fact that this was the ministry that God had chosen for him. He doesn't appeal to his apostolic authority here. He, he, he is recognizing that this is not something that he chose necessarily. He is an apostle because this was God's will for his life. If you recount the story of Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, he had that tremendous experience. He was on the road to Damascus. The light came from heaven. He heard the voice speaking to him and so forth. But as you read that story, uh, Ananias comes in to the story there, and, and he comes to reveal to Paul how the things that he's going to have to suffer for the name of Christ, because God's called him to be an ambassador to not only Israel, but to the Gentiles, to kings and authorities and, and so forth. God had a tremendous ministry for him. This was God's will for his life. Now, Paul had a choice. Was he going to fulfill God's will or was he going to go his own way? And Paul chose to, to follow uh, the will of God for his life. So much so that when you come to Acts 26, verse 19 there, as he's on trial for his life before King Agrippa, he is able to stand there and say, I, was, I did not prove to be disobedient to the heavenly vision. This is the vision God gave me. This was the will of God that he revealed to me. I followed that will or fulfilled that will. So much so that a few years later, as he comes to the end of his life in Second Timothy, in verse 7 and 8, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who loved his appearing. As he was coming to the closing hours of his life, he was able to say, I've finished the work. Don't you wish you could say that? I, I, I trust that when it's our time to cross that finish line, we hear those words, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, you followed me. You, you've done what I've asked you to do. You have fulfilled my will in, in your life there. Now, that wasn't easy, I'm sure, for the Apostle Paul to say. Because what did God's will include for Paul? It included times when he was beaten for his faith. Time was he, 
time or two when he was stoned, when he was shipwrecked, when, when he was imprisoned on several occasions. And yet he was able to say in Philippians chapter 1 in verse 12 that all of these things, he said, the things that happened to me happened for the furtherance of the gospel. They helped me work out the will of God in and through my life. And the, the result was he was able because he wasn't seeking his own glory there. He was seeking God's will. He was able to enjoy life to the fullest there. He was able, as he's encouraging us here in this opening chapter of Ephesians, he was able to enjoy the wealth, able to enjoy the blessing that God had for him because he was following Jesus Christ as he asked him to do. Now, we have been taught from day one I remember the very first day I started school, a little one-room schoolhouse. Actually, that one was a two-room schoolhouse. We had two two different groups meeting in there. You were in one room for two years, and then you went to the next one for the next two years. But the very first day, we started out saying the Lord's Prayer. I'd never heard of the Lord. I'd never heard a prayer that I was aware of. But uh, yeah, that's the way you had to start the the school day, so we said the Lord's Prayer, or she taught us the Lord's Prayer. Mrs. Brown was our, our, our teacher back then. And then we had to learn the pledge to the flag and, and had to have a, a Bible reading. And, and then you start the school day. But, you know, inheriting that prayer, and we've been going over that with our, our men in our Wednesday morning Bible study, the Lord's Prayer. We got this week to that phrase, thy will be done. How many times have we mouthed that prayer without really asking, what is the Lord's will? And do we really want the Lord's will? Because sometimes that's a difficult path. Yet you ever have, you ever wrestle with choosing God's will? When he reveals something to you and he asks you to do something, do you ever struggle with that? Or am I the only one that does that? We, we, we do that, don't we? Uh, we, we? We know what he's saying. We know what he wants. But uh, do, we, do we honestly believe that that is best for us? The Apostle Paul could say, I went through all of this knowing it was the will of God. And you know what? I think Paul would say, if he were here today, I'd do it all over again, if that's what God wanted. He found that it was best for his life. It's tough sometimes to pray that prayer, thy will be done. But sometimes we need to pray, Lord, work your will out in my life. Work your will out in this situation, thy will be done. Paul was willing to fulfill the will of God in his life. Well, then he turns to the the recipients here, to the church at Ephesus, the saints that are at Ephesus, actually. Uh, I I like that term, the saints. Uh, Were they perfect individuals? Probably not. A saint in scripture is not a perfect individual. It's someone that has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. So I can look around the room and I can describe you as a bunch of characters. Or I could describe you as a bunch of saints. If you've accepted Christ as savior, you're a saint. You're one of God's chosen part of his family there. But the thing that he commended them for in Ephesus were they were faithful in Christ Jesus. They were following Christ faithfully. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, speaks of the fact that it is required of a man or a steward there, or a slave if you want to use that term, that a man be found, what? Faithful. Not great. Not 
doing grand things necessarily, but faithfully doing what God asks us to do. As we are we faithfully seeking to follow him, faithfully seeking to live as he would expect us to live. Evidently, the saints at Ephesus were doing that because Paul commends them for being faithful. They were the faithful ones in Christ Jesus. Now, we, it's easy for us to sit here today and say, well, you know, that was okay for Ephesus, but that's tougher for us today. We, it, it's harder to live for Christ today. I wonder if it is. Uh, Ephesus was the capital of a Roman province. It was a port city. If you've ever lived in a port city, you know a lot of the problems that go with port cities. A lot of temptations, uh, a lot of uh, opportunities there to go the wrong direction. Not only that, it was the uh, headquarters of the sect of Diana, or as she was also known, Artemis. Beautiful temple was constructed in her honor there. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And even though it was a beautiful place to look at, it was a place where all kinds of perversion was carried out. All kinds of sexual temptation and perversion were practiced as part of the worship experience. And so all of this was what the church in Ephesus had to deal with. Uh, And we think we have it tough today. At least we're not thrown in jail because we're preaching the gospel yet, as they were in Ephesus. So here they were in a very difficult place to live. And yet Paul says... In the midst of all of that affluence and the corruption that was there, there was a church there that was faithful to Jesus Christ. As we read the book of Acts, we get a little bit of history of the Ephesian church. Uh, It was begun by the Apostle Paul working together with uh, Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, Years later, uh, Timothy went there as, as their pastor for a time. And then on at least two occasions, the Apostle John was their pastor. So they they had several different ones ministering there. It was a church that was faithfully following Jesus Christ. And as such, they clashed with the powers-to-be of that day. Matter of fact, an interesting story comes out of Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 18 there. there. There's a riot takes place there. Why? Because in verse 19, it says, many of those who practiced magic, brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of all. And they were counting up the price of them and they found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. What was happening there? They had come out of idol worship. They had been practicing uh, magic as part of that worship and they felt, we can't do this as a child of God. And Rather than sell the books and pass the problem on the books and the statutes on to somebody else, they said, let's have a bonfire. And and they burn them. 50,000 pieces of silver worth going up in smoke there. Uh, The uh, writers of those books and the silversmiths of the city, they didn't appreciate that. And and pretty soon they had a riot on on their hands. They, they, They clashed with the values of the day. Demetrius stirred up the opposition. And whenever we follow Christ... We can expect that the world's not going to welcome it with open arms. We can expect opposition. Uh, we can expect ridicule. Times we'll have persecution. Don't expect the world to understand and welcome the gospel message. In, in John chapter 16 and verse 33, he speaks of the fact that in the world you're going to have what? Tribulation. 
but be of good cheer, he says, I have overcome the world. We are called, irregardless of what the world does, our challenge is to be faithful, to faithfully follow him, irregardless of whether or not society is going that direction. We are not called to serve when it's convenient, but we are called to serve faithfully, even if everybody else is going a different direction. We are called to be faithful and follow him today. And so with that, he brings the standard greeting there, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And I think that's where Daddy probably picked up on that idea of grace this morning. Grace to you. Uh, And we should pick up on that. We have been blessed by the grace of God. We enjoy his grace. Matter of fact, Ephesians says we are saved by grace through faith. Titus speaks of the fact that the grace of God has brought salvation it teaches us how to live, and it gives us a glorious hope for tomorrow and for, for eternity. We, we have that grace available to us today, and that's not just for salvation. It's for all of our life. As we follow him, the grace of God is sufficient for whatever situation we find ourselves in. The grace of God is, is there for us. The peace aspect there, that's a little bit harder there. Do we always experience peace in our hearts? Grace is there, but do we always experience peace? Uh, I, I wouldn't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you did a little bit of worrying this week? <laughs> yeah, the peace of God wasn't there, was it, all, 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 all the time? Uh, the peace comes, I believe, as a result of us appropriating the grace, grace of God. When we really get a handle on grace and and we really come to the realization that God is with us, that God is in control, then he brings a measure of peace into our hearts and into our lives. That that peace is available, but it's not automatic. As a matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it speaks of the fact that we are to uh, come with our request, with our prayers, with our supplication there. With, he qualifies that. There's something else we come with there. Do you remember what? With thanksgiving. There it is. And when we are able to do that and uh, really mean that, then he said the peace of God will keep our hearts and our minds. What is he saying in that? In the midst of the trial, we come and we say, Lord, this is what's going on. I don't like this. This hurts, but this is what's going on. And then when we can reach the point where we can say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I thank you because you understand it. You know what you're doing. You're leading me down this path, and so I I give you thanks for that today. Then he said, his peace will enter our hearts and keep us us safe and, and secure in him. He's asking us in that little simple greeting there, and it was a common greeting, grace to you and peace. He's asking us there to trust our lives, entrust our lives to him today. Do you have some circumstances that you're wrestling with today? Are you willing to say, Lord, thy will be done? Do you have something that's troubling you about tomorrow and you're a little bit fearful of how it's going to play out? Are you willing to say, Lord, I want your will? And I'll give you thanks for that will as as you faithfully lead me through those circumstances are we faithfully following him as he calls us to do today 
And then he gets into the message of the book. And in that brief message here, he calls us, I think, to focus on our blessings there. We, we are familiar with that song, Count Your Many Blessings. But do we ever take the time to begin to enumerate the blessings? Do we take time to, to thank him for the, the multitude of ways that, that he works in our life? I, I think we could go around the room today, and I could start over here with Chris and zigzag back and forth. And we could probably all express a, a different blessing that God's brought into our life. We wouldn't even have to duplicate each other. I know sometimes we like to somebody says, well, I thank the Lord for my family, so everybody else has to thank the Lord for their family. But I I think we could go around the room and get something different from everybody because God is a God of grace, and God has chosen to to bless us today. Now, he's going to enumerate some of those blessings in in chapter 4, verse 4 through 14 here. Incidentally, Verse 4 through 14 in, in Greek is, is one long sentence. I'm going to do something you shouldn't do. I'm going to split it up into three messages. Uh, uh, it, uh, I, I used to teach it all at once. But nine points is a little bit rough for us to, to go through and, and for you to remember and be able to take a test on. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm splitting it up into, into three sections. But uh, as I think it's... Verses 4 through 14, uh, any English majors here? Anybody that loves English? (laughs) You're not going to admit it, are you? (laughs) Some of you do. Uh, You know, uh, one thing I struggled with in in English was how do you diagram sentences? (laughs) You ever had to do that? I don't know if they teach that anymore or not, but... uh, if you're an English major, I challenge you to diagram this sentence. <laughs> you better have a blackboard or a chalkboard where you have lots of room because that's a tough one there. But too often, if we're not careful, we focus on our troubles. We focus on our trials. We focus on the circumstances. And we forget the very fact that God is there to bless us. God is with us in the midst of all that is going on in our life. God is there. And we have every reason to count our blessings. God has worked in our hearts and lives. And so he begins with the source of blessing. And that comes out of verse 2 there. We'll get into verse 3 in a minute. But verse 2, he says, grace to you and peace from who? God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. The source of our blessing Paul is saying there is God our Father. Not just the Father of Jesus Christ, because he was that, or is that in Scripture, but he is also our Father. Remember the Lord's Prayer starts out with that phrase, our Father who art in heaven. We come to him as we would come to a father here on this earth. We come to him as our our heavenly Father now, the one who has chosen to bless us. In John chapter 1, verse 12, he says, uh, if we receive him, we are made children of the king. We become sons of God. We're, we're brought into the family of God when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior. And that literally means we are children of the king. He's the king. We're his sons. So that makes us princes or princesses. You can take whichever term you like there. Uh, as I think of that, I think of James 1.17. Uh, James says, 
Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? From the Father above. We have been tremendously blessed today. We don't need to live as paupers. We don't need to live as second-class citizens. The Father invites us to enjoy his blessings. He is the one who is the source of every spiritual blessing that, that we enjoy today. He is the one who blesses us. That leads to verse 3 there, where he reveals the scope here of the blessings. Notice that little word there, and I don't know what translation you're using there, but he says, we have been blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing. Or, I think one of your translations will put it, all spiritual blessings. They all come from him. Uh, someone had, uh, well, first of all, as we think of that little word, every or all here, we have a magnificent God. He is able to bless us in any area that he chooses. Someone has compared the book of Ephesians to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament because there was a group of people that were blessed with some tremendous blessings. As they crossed that Jordan River, the Lord opened up the river for them. They went across. Did you ever stop to think what? What are they blessed with there? They suddenly, uh, now there were some battles that had to take place, but suddenly they were blessed with land and houses and farms and vineyards that they hadn't labored for or worked for, uh, fruit trees. It was all theirs to possess and all theirs to claim. They just had to move in. And in a sense, God is saying, these spiritual blessings are already given to us. They're ours to claim. We, we, We can just like the children of Israel, move into them and enjoy the blessing of God. Now, uh, their spiritual blessings, he says, I, I think of Proverbs 17 in that connection in verse 1. He says, better is a dry morsel and quietness with it than a house full of feasting and strife. What was the blessing there? It was that house that was of quietness, of peace in heart, of mind. What price would you pay for peace, for peace today? It can only come through a right relationship with, with Jesus Christ, and it's ours to claim. It's free. In Proverbs 15, verse 17, he said, Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Again, notice the association there. The, the, the blessing there is we can enjoy the love of God. It, it, isn't that better than a, a roast or a steak to know that we're kept by him and his love. Those are some of the blessings that that he has for us. Now, as I say that, I I think we can also say praise the Lord. God has blessed us physically, materially. Uh, When we look around the world today, we're rich compared to to much of the world. We we have been blessed in in that area, but God has so much more than that for us. he, he wants to bless us in so many ways today. Uh, just give you a few scripture here. Uh, Psalm 46, verse 1, it speaks of the fact that God is a very present help, a, a refuge in a sense, in time of trouble. What a blessing that is. Are you facing some trouble, some trials? You have a strong tower that you can flee into. You have Jesus Christ there. He's there for you today. That's, that's one of the blessings that God has given to us. James chapter 1, verse 5, I think is another one. In, in, in 
that verse, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. What, what a tremendous invitation that is. Do you, do you ever wrestle with what is God's will? What, what is he trying to say? What is he trying to do in your life? You, you ever wrestle with a decision that you have to make? And God says, bring it to me. I'll give you the wisdom that you need. It's available for you. That, that's one of the spiritual blessings that he's blessed us with. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16 says, uh, we can come boldly to the throne of grace there when we need grace, when we need mercy. In, in time of need, he said, God is there for us. That's, that's a spiritual blessing that we have today. And I've already quoted from Philippians 4, 6 and 7. We have the blessing of his peace that, that will keep our hearts and minds. These are just a few examples of the spiritual riches that God has made available to us. And uh, if you want to go stretch your thinking farther than that, when you think of tomorrow, ever worry about tomorrow? What, what, what's going to happen tomorrow or, or next year? Some of you are shaking your head yes, some of you are shaking your head no. Some of you have enough going on in your life today, you don't even have time to think of tomorrow. <laughs> it... Uh, but uh, you, you, you know, one of the spiritual blessings that we have as we think of tomorrow is First Corinthians two nine, and this isn't in your notes, but uh, it, it came to my mind this morning, so now it's in, in my notes. In, in that verse, he says, "I hath not seen nor ear heard the things that God hath prepared for those who love Him." Now we like to apply that to heaven, and, and that very certainly is true of heaven. Uh, we can let our imagination run run wild today and we're not even going to come close to what the glories that we're going to see in heaven it uh, uh, some of you have some vivid imaginations and that's okay uh, let them run wild you're not going to come close to what god has prepared for us in heaven but I, as i thought about that verse this morning I, I couldn't help but think i wonder if he has something special that our high hasn't even seen yet for us tomorrow a special blessing that he wants to bring our way. Something he's prepared in advance for us. A, a, a blessing that he wants, he delights in blessing his children. Are we open to receive that, that blessing today? The fact of the matter is, Paul says, you are blessed. You are spiritual, spiritually rich today. And he encourages us to enjoy those blessings. Now, notice the sphere of the blessing here. They are spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, and I think he emphasizes that for a purpose. I think of the, the book of Ecclesiastes in that connection. You ever get a little bit frustrated, maybe you're a little bit discouraged when you read Ecclesiastes? We, we went through it in our Wednesday night Bible study. And, and uh, I, I don't want to tell stories on our the people that come to the Wednesday night Bible study. But they were a little bit frustrated with that book. <laughs> uh, and the reason for that is Solomon, uh, uh, until you get to the last chapter, Solomon is looking at life under the sun. He's evaluating life from an earthly perspective. And you know what happens when we evaluate life from an earthly perspective? We get discouraged. Uh, how many of you get discouraged when you look at the news? That, that's life from an earthly perspective. We, when, when we were in, in cul-de-sac, we had, uh, was it Dish TV or whatever, one of those cable services anyhow. And about the only thing we watched was uh, the news. 
There was one or two programs that we watched, but not very much. It was a waste of money, really. And the only time we had to watch the news was dinner time. And so guess what? You want to ruin your dinner, <laughs> watch the news. <laughs> when we moved here, they wanted to move that service to here for us. And I said, no, thanks. I'm going to enjoy my dinners. <laughs> so we don't have it anymore. If I want the news, I'll go on the Internet and I'll pick and choose what I want to read or, or, or watch that, there. If we look at life from this world and this viewpoint, life under the sun, we'll get discouraged and defeated and even depressed. We need to look at life, and that's the conclusion he comes to eventually there in the book of Ecclesiastes, above the sun. Colossians chapter 3 sums it up for us in verse 1. He said, if you have been raised up with Christ, now, can you say you've been raised up with Christ? Romans chapter 6 says, if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, the, the water of baptism pictures the fact that we've died with him, we've been buried with him, we've been raised with him to walk in newness of life. And that's what he's capitalizing on here in Colossians. He said, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not the things of this earth. And what he is calling us to do there, and, and what he's calling us to do in verse 3 here, as we think of the spiritual blessings in heavenly places, is to set our sights higher than today. God has so much more for us than what we're going to find in this world and what the world has to offer today. We are here to live for eternity. And what does he have for us as far as eternity is concerned? That's the conclusion that Jesus comes to in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 33. In Matthew chapter 6, he's dealing with materialism. He's dealing with the idolatry of of worshiping the things of this world and so forth. And he looks at the need for food and clothing, and he compares us to the birds and and the flowers and so forth there. And the conclusion he comes to in verse 33 is, uh, Seek first the kingdom of God, he said, and then all of these things will be added unto you. What, what is he saying in there? If, if we seek first the kingdom of God, we're going to get everything we want? No, that's not what he's saying there. He's saying there, if God is first in our life, we can enjoy all of the blessings that he brings our way. Whether they're spiritual blessings or whether they're material blessings, we can enjoy them. And yet, I think of, if God is not first in our life, if we're not careful, we live like uh, Hattie Green. Blessed tremendously with things of this world, but not able to enjoy it. Why? Problem wasn't what she had or didn't have. The problem was she didn't have the Lord in her heart. So she couldn't enjoy the, the, even the blessings that, that she had as far as the, the world was concerned. And so as we think of what he's saying here, I think it, asks, he's, it forces us to ask some serious questions. Have we been blessed of God? I think if I asked for a show of hands, we could all raise our hands on that. We have all received blessings from God on on a regular basis. But are we enjoying those blessings? He's promised us his peace. He's promised us his love. He's promised us uh, his joy and so forth. They're all part of the blessings that we're going to, to see as we move on in this book. But are we appropriating them? 
Are, are we allowing them to, to rule and reign, as he says, in our hearts? Do we enjoy the blessings? And if not, then perhaps we need to look at this introduction again and ask ourselves, are we seeking to follow his will, not ours? He encourages us to pray, not my will, but thine be done. Do we really want his will to be worked out in our lives? Even if it means a trial, even if it means a test, even if it means some pain along the way, or for the Apostle Paul, it meant imprisonment and and beatings and so forth. If that happens, are we willing to say, you know what? God knows what he's doing. God knows best, and I'll be glorified, or he'll be glorified through this. And so I'm going to give him thanks. For, for those difficult times. Are, are we honestly saying, Lord, I want your will, no matter what it is, no matter what it costs. If we're not willing to go that far, then we're not going to enjoy every spiritual blessing that he has for us. So are, are we seeking to do his will today? And then I think another question we need to wrestle with is, are we faithfully following him? Are we doing what he has asked us to do? Or do we do it when it's convenient, when we have nothing else to do? Or do we do it simply because God has given us that commission and so we do it? We follow him. We do what he asks us to do. Are we doing that today? And then are we focusing on that which is truly important? Are we counting the, the, the real blessings that he has for us? Are we counting our blessings today? Let's pray. Father, What a privilege it is to start that way, to say, our Father who art in heaven, we thank you that you love us, that you've made us part of your family. We thank you that you have placed us in a beautiful part of your world. You've blessed us in so many ways materially, but beyond that, you've blessed us with your spiritual blessings. Father, to fully enjoy them, we need to pray today. Thy will be done. We need to faithfully follow you even when it's tough. We need to keep our eyes fixed on you and on the spiritual blessings that you have for us so that as we seek your kingdom, we can be enjoying the blessings of this kingdom as well. And so, Father, give us the courage this week to simply pray, Thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. When we do that, then I think we can sing this closing song. It is well with my soul. That's the only way I think that we can sing it. So let's take a look at that song.